Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Negative World Euphonic, episode 003. You know, three is the magic number, Joe. Is it? It is. Third time's the charm? Yep, third time's the charm. So hopefully this will be, well, technically there was already a third episode. It was uh, it was our KK Slider <laughs> special. Our special? We, yeah. Which we had before we even, like, had. <laughs> was that even before episode two? No, that. I, I was editing them at the same time. They was it uh, the first episode ever special episode. Yeah, it was the first ever special, and it happened three days after episode two, <laughs> <laughs> which happened like two months after episode one. You know, we do things. We have our own unique rhythm here at Negative World. Yeah, totally. We're like that's a, it's okay. We're like a beatnik. Yeah, you know, Doctor Robotnik. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. I'm what so would he full look of like? puns. Um. Dr. Robotnik, but with a latte and a... Beret. Beret. Yeah. Scarf. A scarf. And maybe like a poem that okay. might have some sort of oil on it. Like a stained piece of paper. Okay. And um, and Big the Cat as the only person in the oh, crowd oh. enjoying it. Why would, you, why would you bring him up? I don't know. Was he even a, uh, a, like a friendly character? Was he an enemy? Yeah. Oh, no, okay. He was, he was, uh, well, he's so friendly, I guess he would support his buddy Ro- Robinik. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, He'd be the only one. <laughs> uh, one is the loneliest number. The three is the magic number. So, back to episode three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to episode three. Uh, this, this episode, we have our two themes fire and ice. And uh, you could say it's the fire and ice ball of the euphonic podcasts. And they were chosen, obviously, because they're opposites and they're elemental and they just sounded good, frankly. They're mm-hmm. short words. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot of great submissions. I know that that thread is kind of long gone. Um, hopefully you guys haven't forgotten about us, but we have not forgotten about us and we have not forgotten about you. So thanks again for your ever, uh, ever <laughs> tapped patience. Mm-hmm. But... um. But yeah, fire and ice, and we're going to start with fire and then lead into ice. And again, just to clarify the rules, we have our themes, and as long as you submit songs that are related to it in some way, whether there's a match in a level or you're playing on the blistering sun, those are fire-related, then, you know, it's all good. Uh, even if there's a fire extinguisher in the level, I guess, you know, if, that, if it has something to do with the, the level itself. That could itself, almost be both. That's true. So Actually, uh, that'd be the fire and foam fire and foam oh that was a better pairing <laughs> can you even think of another song that relates to foam uh i feel like weren't there um wasn't there like a foam like sea foam island yes something in a kirby game something like that or maybe it was mario Pokemon, I, I think oh yeah maybe anyway sea foam Pokemon, yeah, Seafoam, Pokemon, yeah, the original Pokemon. There you go. Yeah, that's right, I just, Nailed I just it. googled on, on the recording. You've Google. been googled, audience. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, maybe you're we... going to be Rickrolled. Maybe we... Don't get me started on that, I'll have to play Robo's theme. <laughs> but let's get started with this episode, shall we? Let's do. So, uh, we again, we have five songs for each theme. Uh, let's jump right in to our first song for the fire theme, which who, was who suggested it. That would be the almighty Zero. 
What a suck up. <laughs> what a suck up. He just happens oh, to. He, uh, he runs the site. He gets the first song. Hey, that's just happenstance, man. <laughs> and honestly, after you guys hear this, you'll understand why we chose it. was utterly amazing yep now i've never played kirby's epic yarn which is what this game's from or the song's from mm-hmm. and the song is called lava landing mm-hmm. and a fun fact a uh, anagram of kirby's epic yarn is scarier by pinky which mm. sounds kind of like a perfume that pinky from animal crossing would have or from pinky in the brain that's true but yes, either one. Yeah. Or maybe my pinky on my hand <laughs> created its own fag- fragrance. And it would be uh, timely for this uh, this time of the year. Yes. To have something. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day. Scary. Just around the corner. Yep. That's when this episode <laughs> will be getting out. See, I try to throw, throw them off, you know, by not knowing when the hell we recorded it. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone we didn't start this whole series until after St. Patrick's Day. But that's besides the point. Irregardless. This song is really amazing. I'm really, really impressed. Yeah. That whole game soundtrack, I think, is is top-notch. Now, I've heard that the game soundtrack is honestly the best part of the game. Mm, How do you feel about, about that? that? No? no, I think the game is the best part of the game. <laughs> Followed closely by the soundtrack that it contains. Now, is every song in the soundtrack as good as this one? I don't know about as good, but... Um, is this the best one? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, no, that's I mean that's good in a way, because um, as someone like myself who hasn't played it, there's more to enjoy then. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't hit the peak already, and then... The peakman? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to get tired of mocking you for that. You're not wrong or anything, but... 
I, I just, don't know. Grant, I just get it. a kick out of the fact that you say Pikmin. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good music uh, in in this game. Um, before we dissect this song, is there anything? Uh, do you have any other questions about the game in well, general? About the, yeah. Okay. So I've debated since this thing came out whether or not to get this. I'm notorious right. for knowing that I'm not really big into Kirby. Like I like the character. I love King DDD and Meta Knight and like all the Smash characters that I've been yeah. fighting with. Um, I bought for thirty cents Kirby's Adventure on the uh, Wii U. I've yet to beat it, but um, I enjoy the concept of Kirby and the ideal. But I never really have that much fun in the Kirby games. But then again, the music is so amazing here. Like I looked on Amazon before the episode started, and in my shopping cart right now, for fifteen fourteen, is Kirby's Epic Yarn for the Wii new. Mm-hmm. And I'm tempted to just buy it, even though I have so many games on my backlog. I'm getting a couple more this month and next month for sure. I have The Last Story and a, a couple other games I haven't even started yet. Uh, but I just, I, I feel like maybe I should own this. But then again, I'm not sure if I'm going to have fun with it, because I hear it's just super easy, and I'm not yeah. someone who likes to just collect... Uh, uh, that's kind of a weird way to say yeah. it, because I enjoy Banjo-Kazooie like crazy, but that's not like a score These attack like game. things, yeah. Right, and I don't care for the, the score attack type thing. Where I'm just collecting yeah, I mean, things for the sake of collecting the, them. Um, Even that's not a good way to put it. But <laughs> the, the draw in Kirby's Epic Yarn, as far as I'm concerned, um, yeah, it certainly does not come from any challenge. There's no... You know, you can't die in the sense of running out of lives or anything like you can fall off screen and i'm pretty sure you can die from collision damage but i don't really remember but i'm pretty darn sure um the 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 appeal comes from the fact that the gameplay itself is just actually fun and now that doesn't that hasn't changed really since other kirby games um so it's you know just sort of that the usual Kirby platforming, but the the twist is that Kirby can have all these different abilities and do different things. Um, the added feature from Kirby's Epic Yarn is just the entertainment value you get from seeing the interactions with this like patchwork world. So the fact that you see like a big mountain or something and it'll have like a button on the top and so you lasso that button and you pull it and then the thread comes undone and the patch for the mountain falls over and it becomes a volcano underneath or something like that and that might not sound very cool but just the fact that the game is just peppered throughout with just these little fun novel experiences uh it just it makes it very entertaining and if you want to then look at it for like the actual gameplay uh, objectives, yeah, it is really being able to make it through the level with a certain number of beads. And those aren't really hidden, although there are certain, you know, special like challenges that you might have to do in a certain level to get the maximum number of beads or whatever. But the the challenge would be, you know, it's not easy to make it all the way to the end beating the boss without getting hit a certain number of times. And when you get hit, that's when you lose beads. So, um, 
yeah, so the challenge is really very light, but it is there if you can get into that. Uh, it is, you know, sort of score attack-ish in the way it's put together. But, um, but no, I just think the novelty of the, of the game's sort of setting, you know, the whole cloth thing just makes it very, very entertaining, very cute. And that's what Kirby's all about. How does it compare to Wireland Shake It in terms of collecting and all that? Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm still getting a, a hold. Um, how does it compare? Uh, I think hmm, I, I, apples and oranges, really. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, did you like Wario Land Shake? Not as much as I that? wanted to. Yeah. What? What? Um. What fell short? Just the whole progression felt kind of arbitrary. Just collect, like with other Wario games, I never really cared to collect every treasure and to find them all out. Um, getting to the end right. of the level, then having to run back for the best score felt kind of unfortunate. Right. You know, like I could I could explore all I want and do as awesome as I as I could, finding things. But then, you know, I hit a wall once, and then like my score gets gets hit pretty significantly, and um, didn't care for that. Yeah, then you wouldn't like Kirby stuff. <laughs> really? Or you would? Well, I mean, it's it's somewhat similar to that. I would say it's. You know, it's fairly similar to that. I would just say Kirby's Epic Garden is probably a lot more forgiving. Because, hmm. um, for instance, you know, you can, if you're lucky enough, fast enough, you can just pick up the beads that you lose, you know, if they don't go down a cliff or somehow become unobtainable. Um, yeah. Do you see that trailer that was posted today for that Renegade Kid game? That new one? Uh, no. Treasure Knots? Nope. Okay. Well, then that really won't uh, do too well. Should I want to? Uh, if you'd like to. It's, it looks like uh, it's a game where you just go around collecting tons of gems. The whole point is to collect as many gems as possible and get your score up. And, and then when you're hit, you lose a bunch of gems like you would uh, rings and Sonic, how they just kind of explode out of you, and then you can you have to collect mm-hmm. what you can back if you, if you get a chance, but otherwise you can't. And I just never cared for scoring in that way. And I feel like that's might be what Kirby's about and that that's kind of what Wario was about too, even though Yeah. You didn't lose them if you got hit, but still this idea that, you know, you shake those coins and you gotta chase them all over the world or all over the level. Um, you know, some might fall into the water and then technically you can't get the max score. I don't it, I mean I know that's the point, but I don't like that. Just the whole premise of that yeah. is what I don't care for. I've never been a high school yeah, guy. Yeah, well, uh, no, and like I said, I mean, I think Kirby's Up Yarn is certainly more forgiving. I don't think it's designed to be like, oh, you messed up once, now you have to start all over again. I mean, there might be a level or two that is like that, but for the most part, it's it's not designed to make you that, that angry. Um, but also, like I said, I, I think the, the whole bead collecting and, and getting the platinum grade for each level i think that's really supposed to be a happy byproduct from your experience of enjoying this you know just the fun the actual game mechanics on their own so uh so i don't think that that's really like the appeal of the game like i don't think that's really the draw i think it's just there to make sure there's like some you know grounding and some 
objective-based activity just for people who might otherwise approach the game and be like, well, this is pointless. Like, this is not even a game. You know, this is just a, like, distraction or something. Sure. Well, okay. So let's move on to the song uh, so we don't get too hung up on uh, just regular sure. discussion in here. Uh, I'm not sure. really convinced about picking it up and hitting that purchase button, but I am still very interested in, in finding the soundtrack. Uh, yeah. yeah. When I listen to the song for the first time, there's definitely that kind of piano bass line that is driving mm-hmm. the whole thing. And mm-hmm. uh, yet there's also some light piano as well, which, I mean, first of all, makes it for a very whimsical, fun song, but it's it's, it's an interesting choice of instruments for a fire theme. I mean, this level, sure. or the music, does it take place in a, in a level full of, like, a volcano and that sort of thing? Is that what this is all about? Um, there are certainly levels like that, but I don't know if it's just, like, this is the one from the fire level, and mm-hmm. also... I think the different levels kind of, um, you know, as is in normal Kirby fashion, like the entire level wouldn't even just be fire or, or like a volcano or something like that. Like it would, you know, you might go through a door and come out in, I don't know, a spaceship or something like that. But, um, although I think Kirby's Epic Yarn is, is a little bit more unified than other Kirby games, but, but yeah, it's not just completely static from room to room or area to area. And like I said, they're always playing around with the cloth stuff, so, you know, there might be some other random things, but, but yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add about Um, this this particular song? Yeah, well, I just, yeah, I think that the, you know, I I do think that that bass line with the piano, I mean, it does remind me of sort of like molten lava kind of bubbling under the surface, which I think sets right. the tone very well. Uh, and the other thing that stands out to me musically is I, I feel like this is a piece that uh, is brave enough to sort of stand on its own simplicity. Like, it's not... It doesn't try to convey its tone by throwing a ton of things at you. I mean, it's, it's really... Uh, I, mean, I can't remember. Is it is it only piano? I can't even remember if I heard other instruments in there. I was so focused on the I piano. I would say but... honestly, I, I mean, again, maybe I did miss something, but it was pretty uh, piano focused. There might have been, you know, two pianos, yeah. or uh, there was definitely yeah, two yeah, melodies yeah. going on at the same time. But it was mm-hmm. that repeating bass and then kind of light accents, and then it would throw into the solo, which is one of the most beautiful yeah. things I've heard in a long time. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so I mean, I I always appreciate. Uh, music like that because especially nowadays I think it's so easy with uh, digital recording you know it's just so tempting to just be like well let's throw in this layer let's throw in this layer let's throw in this layer and then by the end you know you have something that like well the somewhere in the average of this strange amalgamation it'll be something that everyone can enjoy you know Mm -hmm. but I think it takes real guts and like confidence in your writing to have something this simple and end up still having it be that well, and I think good simple songs like this really do stick with you better than more complicated ones. Yeah. It's just something your yeah. mind can latch onto. There's no doubt in my mind that in the next week or two, at some point, I'm going to start singing this myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so it, 
I mean, I sing video game music to myself all the time. It pops in my head at the weirdest moments. Mm. And uh, this is one of those songs that definitely can just kind of like, maybe, maybe if I'm, maybe if I feel like there's a little bit of fire under my ass, you know, a little lava under the seat, and I've got to, you know, get some stuff done, it might come into my head, and I might start feeling a little motivation from hearing it, because especially with the way that it goes into that kind of solo, that solo has like this ambitious quality mm-hmm. that makes me want to get Kirby. Like it's it's the epic part of Kirby's epic yarn, right? There. <laughs> it kind sure. of is, you know. It's yeah. amazing. They just they just kind of let you sit there and they build you up like you were saying bubbling up and then they just go right into this kind of like like it when 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 that solo goes i feel like kirby grabbed a star and he's flying off to god knows where <laughs> I can to see crash that. down you know mm-hmm. it's pretty beautiful mm-hmm. absolutely and that's why i'm so damn conflicted always <laughs> i love the idea of kirby but i just can't get myself to really yeah. like the games that much it's frustrating it's funny have i told you that my wife is the same way like how kirby is one of her favorite video game characters ever and yet she has little to no interest in any Kirby <laughs> platformer like she just loves him from Brawl basically it's nice that I'm not alone then yeah and she I've... played through Epic Yarn with me and Kirby's Richard in Dreamland actually but it was like it was like my idea you know it was yeah. like hey do you want to play Kirby and she's like okay <laughs> <laughs> but well no that's cool that makes you feel a little bit better mm-hmm but uh, let's move on to our second song, because okay. there's some similarities that I, you know, kind of can't wait to mention. And uh, plus, it's a damn good song. Mm-hmm. This one is uh, brought to us by Roy Cooper 64, who, especially with this uh, particular thread, stepped up and just gave a slew of awesome songs. Um, he kind of got there first with, uh, you know, beat a lot of people to, the, to certain punches. But this was one that we just had to include, and uh, I hope you all like it.
clearly one of the greatest soundtracks to hit the Wii. If not sure. Nintendo ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Here, you, you tell us what, what game and song this is. Uh, this is the Melty Monster Galaxy music from Super Mario Galaxy 2. Yeah. Uh, they're very melty. The <laughs> monster is it. Yeah, it's a huge lava level, and I'm, I would hope that everyone listening to this has played it, but, you know, maybe if you, if you haven't, it's a huge lava level. Uh, it starts off with, um, I believe you're kind of floating and doing the whole attaching to stars thing to suck yourself through, uh, some very close lava planets, which have giant blargs, which are trying to get to you, uh, which is really cool because you get to see that homage to that enemy once more. And, uh, plus they're like a hundred times as large or something. Um, and then it jumps into more of a platforming stage with giant lava waves, and it kind of feels more like a Super Mario 3D Land type level at that, at that point. But uh, it's a really cool level and uh, a really fun game. And this song has similar attributes to Lava Landing, I think. Mm-hmm. You pick up on those? Um. Well, just sort of the more orchestral arranging, uh, you know, well, like there, structure. But. There seems to be, like, a, again, kind of a strong, at least a starting base, mm-hmm. and and then kind of a lot of more flourishes, but this does take it a step further. There's, yes. there's more going on, and um, it still, it, it doesn't hurt it, and it doesn't mean that Kirby's Epic Yarn's Lava Landing is, is hurt from it either. It's like, they're kind of the same idea, but with the, on different levels, different tiers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love just the orchestrated Mario music. Yeah. The move to that was so essential, I think. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to remember. Um, was Did the first Mario Galaxy have uh, fully orchestrated music? Yeah. It, well, it did in the same way that this does. I honestly couldn't tell you if there is some sort of MIDI representation uh-huh. going on. I, I don't remember the technicalities of that, but... Because what, what was the Wii game where people were, like, freaking out over it not being fully orchestrated or something? Was it Zelda? Was it Skyward Sword? I don't really recall. I can't, can't remember which one it was, but... There is, there is a big Nintendo game that is semi-orchestrated. I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, this one sounds amazing. It, and... might, it might have been uh, Mario Galaxy 1. Maybe, but whatever it is, I mean this this just sounds so rich and full, and just the quality is off the charts. I think um, it feels like there really must have been a room full of people playing the song and coming up with this and composing it, and more than just like one guy at a desk writing mm. his his MIDI, mm-hmm. which is which again is a whole skill in itself. I understand that, but. It it this is when Mario when Nintendo had like film orchestra score quality. Mm-hmm. We're like this is this to me is the Mozart of Nintendo. Like we're in the Mozart yeah. age, the Beethoven yeah. age. It's it's amazing. It's very it's very grandiose. It's very uh it's very classy and big and yeah. Sound it, it definitely I think helps accentuate the, you know, the gravitas of this of this game of these two games that this series was really like the flagship Mario 
series. And I can't tell if it's really something that would work within the new Super Mario Brothers series. No, I don't think so. But I can... Doesn't it kind of make those soundtracks feel less important, though? Well, I I, th- I think this is what we're getting at, is that, you know, I think those games are... The vibe of those games is more purely playful, whereas I think for the Galaxy games, at least of this past generation, it was like, this is the, you know, these are like the serious, like... Uh, it's a mature Mario, in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is just like the... Uh, this is like the... Mario. This is the this is the more pure experience. You know, like like that, this yeah. is yeah, like this is Mario <laughs> twenty ten or whatever it was. Whereas the new Super Mario games were more like you know, this is like a recreation of that fun you had when you were a kid, which there's a lot to be said for that, but it's still two different you know, two different tones. So uh, you know, I'll say the thing that uh, probably sticks out the most to me in this piece is I like how halfway through it kind of does that little callback to the like main theme from the Galaxy games. That little dun, 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 dun. What's interesting, I don't know if you caught this yet, but with the Nintendo Direct that happened recently, mm-hmm. the Super Mario 3D World trailer had music that was, again, not necessarily this orchestrated or this composed or whatever, uh, but still really amazing music that we assume is going to be music that's in the game. And I can't recall Super Mario 3D Land's music very well right now, which isn't a testament to it. It's just that, uh, you know, I've got a lot of music on the brain right now, and I haven't played the game since last year. But that, too, I think had more of a Galaxy-style soundtrack I think it'll be really cool to see them continue to use this outside of Galaxy games in these. Th- maybe it's a 3D Mario game type music. You know, maybe Could maybe be. they split it like that. Could be. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I can't. I mean, I love that game, but I can't can't remember offhand what caliber the music was. Um, in terms of you know the kind of differentiations we're talking about right yeah. now, but. Yep. Yeah, it was high caliber, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I love the little, I'm not even sure the name of the instrument, uh, kind of sounds like a sitar, but it's, um, the, you know, Middle Eastern mm-hmm. equivalent. I'm not sure. I don't even know what instrument that is, but, um, I'd have to listen to it again just to, yeah, but they, you know, towards the end, they kind of throw those in and, you know, that whole Arabian feel is always associated with with heat and everything so i think that that fits well um but it's just a nice little you know they don't overuse it but it's just like this nice little spice that they kind of add to the song later on in the piece and there's also in the middle of the song kind of like a uh an electronic sounding beat which kind of reminds me of bowser Mm. and kind of the enemy and certain certain themes in mario have had that kind of i think maybe it's when uh like the Shadow Mario has been around, okay. but there's a certain kind of vibe to like those kind of electric. Do, 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 do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not doing an awesome representation, but no, I think I get the more needling kind of yeah, yeah sounds. Yeah, definitely more manufactured, mixed in with the the clean orchestrated music, mm-hmm. and 
I forget at what point this level occurs in the game, if it's later, if it's if it's sooner, but lava levels tend to happen uh, in normal progression near the end of the games. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I think that Mario Galaxy was a bit more mixed in that sense. Uh, even so, though, th- those sounds kind of make me think of the enemy and make me think like things are the stakes are getting higher. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that would be out of place in like the first level of the sure. game. Sure. And uh, I feel like there was so much thought put into this this song in particular and the soundtrack. It's really an an achievement that I think was not unseen by fans and maybe not even some reviewers, but I feel like it's underrated by the music community. Mm. I, w- yeah. I, I kind of would like to see some proof of some articles where people were maybe looking at this fr- from outside the video game industry and saying, you know, their opinions on on the music and how it was composed and everything, and hopefully loving it in the same way that anyone can look at, you know, uh, what the Avatar soundtrack or whatever, sure. you know. I can't think of any movies in, the, in particular right now. Yeah, I know what you mean. That no. have those uh, crazy orchestras and those mm-hmm. crazy scores. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I hear you. So, yeah, let's move forward then to a bit of a uh, blast from the past from uh, a buddy who was just on the Negative World podcast, the old man from Zelda. Wow, he's uh, so old. What's that? He's so old. He is, and he's actually so from Zelda. Uh Uh-huh. But he he, uh, submitted this song, and for good reason. Here it is. daunting yeah seriously what an iconic piece of music in my opinion 
Yeah, and you know, that was from a game that I didn't really play until way mu- way after it came out. Yeah. Um, and I played a game in the series that was much more three-dimensional, uh, possibly not necessarily realistic, but just more in your face and scope. Was it uh, one of the Prime games? It was, yes. Metroid Prime was my first ever Metroid game. Crazy. And I fell in love with the series, and it wasn't until... I think Metroid, yeah, it wasn't until Metroid Prime 3 came out, because they released Super Metroid, which is what the song is from, they released that game on the Virtual Console, like, the week of or the week before, I think, my memory serves me. And so I was like, you know what, I should play this, because I never have, and I'm psyched for Prime, and I was like, this is an awesome game. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And even though, again, obviously, technologically, it's much more prehistoric than the 3D Prime games and everything but it doesn't make it any less beautiful you know i think in some ways nintendo is like still chasing the impact they were able to have with super metroid in terms of that series in terms of that franchise i should say Mm -hmm. because I, i feel like super metroid was still and this is not my opinion but i think in the general opinions of um Metroid fans, I still feel like Super Metroid has not really been topped um, as as beloved as the Prime games are. I just think there's something... I just think like Super Metroid, there's like nothing bad you can say about it, really. See, and that's how um, I feel about the Prime games. But then again, I do acknowledge the idea that if I had played Super Metroid first, mm-hmm. you know, my perception could have been completely changed. Mm-hmm. I just think that, you know, like the first Metroid... Honestly, I've, I've actually never played the first Metroid. I've played the remake, the Game Boy Advance remake, but the, like the first Metroid doesn't appeal to me that much. Uh, I loved Metroid 2, but that was the first one I played ever. Um, but I think Super Metroid was the first time that it just, like, that that world really came alive and just seemed so, uh, vivid and, um, it just seemed like, you know, like in the first Metroid, you know, you're still working with a lot of just like 8-bit blocks and things. And you're still in that era where games didn't necessarily have to make sense. Like you could be like, okay, I'm exploring an alien planet, but it's really just a series of oddly shaped, you know, blocks. And it's just an excuse for me to jump and shoot at aliens and stuff. But Super Metroid it was more like, you know, when you're looking at the scenery, and it's not just because of the detail of the graphics, but, you know, what they were able to do artistically made the whole planet feel like one ecosystem, like one organic piece of a, of an alien world. You know, it really like put you there and the, you know, the animations for Samus, the way she would like, uh, uh, just the way that she would she would move through that world. I mean, it was just so vivid, like it hadn't been before. And the soundtrack was certainly no, um, you know, Slash. no small piece of that of that effect. And I think in this piece of music, I mean, I know when I played it, you know, obviously there's the there's the sense of heat and everything. Uh, but also, like, there's the, the percussion, the, the thing that's keeping time in this, it's, 
it almost sounds just like um, like industrial workers, like pounding on metal, like like just factory workers on the job or something. Right. And to me, that sound and what that conjured up in my imagination was just like, you know, just like these oppressed workers who, you know, are just stuck in this like boiling hot factory. And it, that sort of discomfort, I think, is is what you're supposed to feel when you're in the, that part of the game. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to say that that's exactly what they had in mind or anything, but I think that that effect is intentional and really comes through really well and really powerfully. Mm-hmm. And just like the other two songs that we've gone through so far, there's a lot of lava. There's a lot of heat. Um, it's not just, you know, a flame here or there. There's a, there's a lot right. of it around you. Yeah. And, I mean, even the background kind of flickers as if mm-hmm. there's heat in front of you, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a great sense of that temperature. Yeah. And and as you were saying, that the percussion and, and there's that driving beat once again that we mm-hmm. keep hearing. I don't know why that, for some reason, is a trope uh, involved, you know, with uh, with fire and with with just that kind of song, but it's there and it, it obviously does something to us and it makes a point mm-hmm. and your, your, uh, illusion or metaphor, whatever you want to call it to the industrial age, uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And when you think of the industrial age, especially from what it, you know, what came before it, you think about heat forging, mm-hmm. yeah, um, exactly. molten, uh, not lava per se, but molten metal, mm-hmm. um, literally things so hot that solids become liquids. It's right. There's a lot of pressure involved as, as well, not just mm-hmm. heat, but I mean, heat causes pressure, and uh, it's all one big metaphor that just works wonderfully in the human brain, Definitely. and uh, and of course, I mean, everyone knows what it's like to be hot, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of tension that builds up just from being in the discomfort of heat. Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously in the game, you need to get a special suit to withstand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you first encounter the heat, before you actually get to that part of the game, I believe, you actually... You know, kind of yeah. hit that room, and yep. you can't go into it, and and you freak out because you start losing all this health. Yeah, of you know? course. Yeah. And uh, so the music really wonderfully matches that that whole uh, ideologue or ideology or whatever the hell mm-hmm. word I'm going for. <laughs> um, it's okay because music transcends words, so you don't even need to worry about it. It really, it really is the uh, the language of the universe, I believe. Mm-hmm. Music and musical notes, especially with how mathematical it is. There's something uh, almost mystical about it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I really like is the choice of the uh, the sort of vocal uh, MIDI mm. sound, whatever that is. Almost um, like a chant. Yes. Yeah. And I like that because you know Metroid, though it is about technology, advanced technology, and as we were saying, you we got this industrial feel but then there's also this backdrop of this like uh very spiritual very um righteous group of you know the chozo that are you know the 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 people who gave samus her training and her uh suit and everything yeah and she's always you know she's going and discovering their ruins and things like that constantly so i think you know i feel like the vocal uh use of that sound kind of sort of like reinforce or, or reminds you that there's still that like um that sort of spiritual 
uh, vibe at work. Right. Um, in conjunction with the, you know, the industrial molten metal and, you know, all that stuff as well. Yeah. I so. mean, it's, it's clearly a non-diegetic sound, you know, cause I can't imagine Samus would be hearing these chants or mm-hmm. even hearing the beat cause there's no drums in the, in the game to like, mm-hmm. reference the music. But, and yet you kind of feel like the ghosts of the Chozo would be chanting this. Right. Yes. Like, like almost exactly. you could hear it as if it was a diegetic sound that was yes. part of the natural game, but, it, but it's not, you know, and it's yep. really haunting to hear that. Totally. Yeah. And a lot of games have used it in different ways, but Super Metroid clearly uses it in a really beautiful way. Mm-hmm. That makes it uh, memorable for, for so many people. Yep. And then it's such a big level, too. It's a big section of the world. Oh, yeah. That uh, you spend a lot of time in it. It's not something yeah. that you just kind of hear for a second and then forget about. You mm-hmm. become one with it, mm-hmm. with Lower Norfair. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's beautifully done, and it's a shame that it was just voted off... Uh, <laughs> um, even though I, even though I voted for it, it's still oh, a shame. No. Um, well, I mean, it, it's a really tough yeah, thing. It's, it is. It I, is. It's like, like choosing your children. And again, I probably only went the Super Metroid route with my vote in this particular round because it had been the one that I had the least connection to because it was the one I played like the latest. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had already done so much growing up. It's nothing against the game itself, honestly. It was more just a purely subjective, mm-hmm. built-in pre- uh, preference. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, watching some footage about uh, of Super Metroid today reminded me of how damn fun it was and how much I loved playing this game. Yeah. Uh, when I first got to experience it, it was one of the those rare times when I felt pure joy in experiencing a game, and not just like a level or two, but in a whole game. Right, yeah. And that doesn't happen yeah. to me anymore, uh, well, very often. Maybe it's my age, I don't know, but there's something truly magical about this game that, that cannot be denied. Yeah, there, yeah, there really was something about, about that game and the way it was paced that you really felt like, even in the later stages of the game, it, you know, it felt like, it didn't feel like you were in the 16th hour of, one game like it felt like you had moved on to a whole new experience you know like you were now you were exploring this phantom ship and you have to deal with a whole new set of trials and and obstacles um and i think that you know that's very impressive because it's very difficult to do in a game um of course in the metroid franchise i guess maybe has the advantage of adding the different power-ups throughout the game, but but I think it it was more you know level design and and how we talked about this with Metroid Prime, where how you know there's parts of the game where all of a sudden you're submerged underwater. There was definitely pieces of that in Super Metroid, uh, you know, and, and now you're struggling with maneuvering this heavy suit through water and over water and things like that, so. Yeah, very rich experience from start to end. Absolutely. So let's move on to our fourth song then. Okay. Uh, Which, as everyone should remember, the fourth and fifth songs of the themes are chosen by Joe and myself Mm -hmm. to change it up, throw you something new that you never saw in the thread, which is pretty much our only rule, so we can't choose songs from the thread, Mm -hmm. which was really hard sometimes because there's so many damn good songs in the thread. You guys kind of uh, eat them all up. But we find stuff that we think is uh, is great, and we hope you guys enjoy. So 
Here's our fourth song. So that had a little bit of a different feel to it. A little bit of a different feel, yeah. That was more um, typical kind of JRPG, sort of J-Rock kind of garbage that people <laughs> either love or hate. But I obviously love it because I picked it. Uh, <laughs> that is a little song called Freezing Heat from a game called Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, but wait, the title isn't over, The Crystal Bears, for the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> I never played this, so I apologize. Neither did I've... anyone else. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't really have any reason for not having played it, mm. but uh, it just have didn't... You played... I mean, well, you don't play too many Final Fantasy games, period, right? I no. Mean, I've never been... really been a fan of the series, have I've you? been curious, but I grew up on Nintendo, you know, I mean... I know that the Super Nintendo games had a lot of Final Fantasies, but I didn't have a Super Nintendo until uh, pretty late in the game. Mm -hmm. I was a Sega kid, so grew up with the NES, then was a Genesis kid, and, and then first Final Fantasy was on the NES. And I have I have Final Fantasy Adventure on the Game Boy. Mm. I haven't um, played that one, but I've heard decent things about it. But it just wasn't a series that caught me that early, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so I never really got into it. Uh, I've been curious, but it just always seemed to get more bloated and and always stayed on the PlayStation, so. Ah, well, this is why you should um, definitely look into the Crystal Chronicles games, if not 
uh, Crystal Bears specifically because I think that series has really um, eschewed the uh, the bloatedness that has kind of crept into the main flagship series games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like uh, the new Super Mario Brothers equivalent, where it's like this is you know like Final Fantasy for the people who used to like Final Fantasy kind of thing. <laughs> Um, well, the characters themselves kind of resemble, like, in a weird way, the 3D sprites, I would... Ex- like, like, if the sprites of the f- first couple games in 3D form, I would almost expect to look like this. Well, certainly in the other Crystal Chronicle games, absolutely. Because those are, like, s- literally some of them, you know, dress like red and black and white mages and, right. and that sort of thing. Um, not so much in this one? Uh, this one, not so much. This one does stand out a bit, even from the other Crystal Chronicles games. It's still the same world, and it's still sort of grounded in the same logic, if you will. But um, but it is a little bit more of, you know, like the character designs are a little bit more like the sort of oddly fashionable warriors that tend to populate the other, the you know, the recent Final Fantasy games. <laughs> where, you know, they have like they don't wear helmets, but they have like hair gel, like that kind of thing. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, but I actually, but I played Crystal Bears shortly after it came out. It's funny because this is a game that had just like all kinds of hype, and I think had it actually come out when it was supposed to, which was like what, like three years or four years before it actually did, uh, then I think that this game would have stood as one of the you know, like one, like one of those games in the Wii's library that we talk about with uh, with real reverence. But I think by the time it came out, people were so sick of delays that they just like they lost the momentum. Yeah, they just were like, "Oh, that's I don't care." Like you have already dashed my hopes too many times. I'm purposefully gonna avoid that game. But sure. but aside from that, the gameplay was also very unique and unique also doesn't always go over so well so but in this sense unique meant having awesome use of the Wii's pointer controls which I think was amazing it was basically your character has like telekinesis so you could just pick up you could just use the pointer and point at things and just like pick them up and interact with them and throw them and carry them and Huh. Oh man, it was amazing. It was so good. And the world was very um you know, uh, uh it wasn't it wasn't open world in the sense that you know there were still like loading times between areas, but like everything was connected. So there was very little like, oh, I'm in this area and then I'll like take a train and go to this area. You know, like you would see like you could walk from one city to the next every step of the way right. and see like how the landscape changed along the way and everything, um, which I thought was wonderful. And you would, you know, like across that those journeys, you would have these like strange encounters with locals and stuff. And uh, it was just so good. You'd be you'd end up involved in these weird mini games where like, you know, like you're pursuing this evil but then you know you'd you'd be going from point a to point b and somewhere along the way you'd like 
get involved in a game of hide and seek with some kids and like that would be a mini game or you would uh get involved in like one of them i think is like sort of like a dodgeball kind of thing but on the on the water uh, it's hard to describe but anyway amazing game the reason i picked it for this is quite simply because the theme was fire and ice and it's a song whose title actually has both fire and ice reference sure so i thought now it doesn't to me it doesn't really sound any particular of those yeah and i I don't mean that and like i don't think the song's bad or anything but uh it's interesting that they chose that kind of song for Mm -hmm. i mean i guess i don't even know the context in which the the song exists but uh it's missing a few of those it's missing i would say that driving bass yeah uh, it's missing a sense of um, awesomeness. pressure. I wouldn't say awesomeness. I mean, it's it's a pretty grungy, yeah, but good song. It's just that uh, it's missing that kind of uh, that kind of pressure that that I feel the other ones yeah. are uh, are doing. Is that kind of something that relates to the game itself? Would you say like is the music in general kind of more gen- uh... not generic necessarily, but yeah, I mean, I think I know what you're getting. At. It, it is more of background music, I would right. say. Like, hey. it is not supposed to be the focus as much. It, I don't think that. I mean, there might have been one or two, but for the most part, I don't think this was a soundtrack that was written to have like a lasting a effect, if you will. Yeah, like right. I don't think they were trying to necessarily leave such a lasting impression from the music i think the music was was really just background setting the mood on a very superficial level for the most part um you know which which could be you know part of what contributed to the game being received with such a lukewarm reception i mean obviously a good soundtrack can go a long way with some people you know what's also lukewarm (laughs) when you mix fire and ice yep (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm glad you uh, saw but that. that said, as that. a grungy piece of J rock, you know, I think it's I think it's good. I I really enjoy how that guitar part kind of um, is like operating. That guitar part at the beginning kind of like is operating a different time signature or has like a different time feel than the rest of the piece. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think it's, it's nice to see interesting things like that in video game music. Cause that gets back to what you talked about earlier about, you know, music being more, uh, you know, it's like a way to legitimize the medium. Mm-hmm. And, Cause video games are just generally thought of as, you know, uh, distraction and it's, that is changing, but I think the music, I think we, as we've talked about before, like music in games is sometimes some of the most creative and gutsy music that I think is professionally made today because they don't have to worry about, uh, you know, whether or not this product will sell solely based on the music. Like, sure. professional recording artists, you know, they need a radio single kind of thing. And, uh, in right, movies, it's their primary product. Yeah, and it, right, and in movies, even then, that like they don't want to, you know, usually the bigger the film, the the less they want to alienate anyone potentially with, you know, having a unique score or anything. So, yeah, so video game music, I think, you know, the creativity is one of the 
best things about it. And I think that this song, even if it doesn't leave that lasting impression, I still think it has that creativity element, which I do admire. And I will say, where it lacked a kind of driving beat that we've seen from other Fire songs so far, Mm -hmm. it did have little, almost icicle accents Mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. kind of referenced yeah. so it's kind of it was a weird blend where like the grunge I wouldn't see the grunge fitting with with ice you know or right. even water but it fits grunge does fit in with fire and rock and that kind of uh mm-hmm. rough textured feel and then you've got the little the little icicle uh accents you know which yeah kind of was a nice nice thing to see the song really bring together both themes just as it's named yeah and i you know i wasn't going to bring it up but i i do agree that if anything you could make a case for those being little icicle type sounds towards the end there. So, yep. and and honestly, I would have put this uh, in slot five, but I always just end up putting, you know, letting you have your song first. Uh, huh? But really, it does fit as a transition song. Um, that's, that's true. So let's let's move on to to my song then, the number five here of the fire theme, and uh, this one has a bit of controversy around it. So let's listen. So uh, that, just to get it out there, the controversy, that was Ocarina of Time's Fire Temple, the original. Uh, For those who don't know, although really everyone probably does at this point, uh, that song was altered for later versions of Zelda Ocarina of Time because of the fact that it had chants in it, which were actually, uh, had some sort of Muslim 
connection or Islamic connection. Um, I don't know the specifics exactly because when I did my research, I was actually getting different reports from different people, and so I don't know the the whole exact story. But there was uh, there was some controversy around it. Although from what I also read is that these changes between the original version version uh, 1.1 and then version 1.2, they actually were all apparently done before the game was released. Why there was a pr- you know run of version one with that in it? If they already decided to change it, who knows? Maybe they already made a certain amount, and they were like, you know what? Let's let's make this change and make the next batch this way, and they just had to get rid of them. Uh, I don't know, but apparently, you know, it sounds kind of like um, some religious chanting, and some people say it says different things about uh, about Allah and and different phrases and stuff like that. So, I personally, uh, I mean. I, I, I'm not of that religion, but I still, I don't take offense to it at all or anything. I don't see the point in doing so. I think it's a really moody song, um, and the chanting, I think, enhances it. To me, I don't even care what it says. I don't, to me, it, since I don't, you know, speak that language that it, that it's chanting in, it has no real importance to me. Uh, it could be saying, you know, Stephen is a, is a twit. You know, that could be the chant right there, and I wouldn't care. Nothing that harsh. <laughs> but uh, they, they did go and change, apparently, uh, the mirror shield design, a couple mm-hmm. blocks, some other switches, and the Gerudo symbol, I guess, in general, because it was more crescent-shaped, which is related into the uh, sure the Islamic world. And, I mean, you know, you do what you got to do, I guess. But uh, Do what you got to do. The, the imagery, I guess, is one thing. Um... I see that as a different thing than music and uh, almost more of an offensive thing because you can't on you can't like play through Ocarina of Time and not see those images but you could mm. in theory play through Ocarina of Time and mute that section so you do have more control over hearing that music if you don't want to if you if you're aware of the issue but uh, regardless of whether whether or not they should have changed it you know I, I don't care that they did I'm just happy that I have the original copy and uh, and that you know we're able to still listen to it today because having those chants in there, like like we were talking about with Lower Norfair, there's something about it where obviously it's non-diegetic, but it almost feels like the ghosts of the area um, could could be you know chanting that mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that in this song the Gorons would have been chanting that. Uh, it doesn't sound like a <laughs> Goron voice, you know. No. Um, but Having that dragon boss, pardon me for the pronunciation, but like full, full Asia, full Jaja, whatever, I don't know. I used to know how to say it, uh, but I, I don't. I never learned, and uh, I never tried as hard as I did just now, so I probably really bastardized it. But um, but having that be the end boss, and, and you're pretty much alone the whole temple, uh, of course, except for when you run into, uh, uh, what's his name? The... Uh, I guess the King Goron or whatever. I don't know what his actual name is. Oh, Darunia. Duh. And mm-hmm. I probably butchered his name too. But um, but yeah. I feel like, if anything, those could be the chance of like deceased Gorons. Because it kind of felt like a... Even though it was a fire temple and you wonder why the hell is this temple even there, it's probably there as some sort of as some sort of uh, memorial or, or grave site or religious mm-hmm. Goron thing. But of course, you know, no no need to deep... Uh, dive deeper into into that kind of aspect of Zelda. It's just it's a freaking Zelda game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's but it's a beautiful uh, level full of lava. 
full of that driving beat. Although it's kind of got like a weird... The, the chanting gives it kind of a... Like another kind of beat to follow, but one that isn't percussion and bassy. Yeah. It's it's like acapella, but with music, which is not and, acapella. And depressing. Yeah, it is kind of depressing. It's kind of like a... It's not just a chant... Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, like, like there's a chant in Smash Brothers Brawl, you know, like, uh, Kirby, Kirby, like that's a chant, mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. is more like a moan. It's more like one yeah. singular sound that's just being, uh, you know, exasperate, exa- what's the word? E- exasperated. Yeah. Um, out of, you know, God knows what. Yeah. It's, it's, it's despair. Mm-hmm. And again, there's kind of that bubbly <laughs> sound too to the lava, which, uh, not only obviously makes you think of lava, makes you imagine it, and and makes you feel like you're really there when you can hear the lava, but also um, lava and bubbles. It kind of makes me feel like it's consuming mm-hmm. because you stick something in lava, you're not getting it back. <laughs> you know, no. you stick something in water, yeah, you can reach down and get it again, but lava just eats at it. You put the T1000 in water, he pops right back up. Yeah, exactly. But you put him in <laughs> molten lava. lava. Yeah. There you go. You need a new T-1000. <laughs> you need the T-1001. Um, now, is that, a, is that a calculator you're talking about? <laughs> Just kidding. But, uh, but yeah, very good uh, good um, song. And it kind of reminds me of the uh, another song that, you know, maybe we'll get in on another episode of the show, but the, uh, the forest theme, the forest temple theme, mm. which also was very haunting um, and had its own <laughs> chanting, but not... Not exactly a voice chant, but it. Well, no, there was voice voice chanting. That's right. So Does I don't. That know, game have voice chant. That level. I'm not playing if that game doesn't have voice chant. <laughs> I wish that we actually named these podcasts uh, with something quirky and funny, because <laughs> there's a lot of funny things saying right now. Um, voice like, chant <laughs> instead of voice chat. Um. Yeah. I need a voice chant headset. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. But yeah, so, I mean, there's not really much to say. It is a very, you know, it is what it is kind of song. There's not a lot of hidden melodies or meanings. It is just, it's it's ambiance for sure. It's definitely not there to even be in your face. But it's there right. to kind of haunt you as you play. Like, kind of jab at you. Definitely. Make you feel like the deeper you go into this temple, the farther you are from the door. The more screwed <laughs> you are going to be. Which is kind of obvious, yeah. Yeah. Both of them. Um so it's it's pretty cool. So when you uh, incite all kinds of controversy on the forums, are you going to be taking the heat <laughs> for it? Uh, no, because I'm just going to log off and go watch the heat on DVD. Ooh, if that's even out, that was a good movie though. Well, you cheer for the Miami. Heat. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? I don't know. What are we doing? You know what? Um, I, th- I think it's time we put a freeze on this uh, discussion Ooh, and move over. Chill out a little bit. <laughs> we are pathetic, and see, we think it's funny, which is why we, you know, we like enable each other. <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we get the fire started. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, yeah. Anyway, um, ah, puns. I love them too much. Hmm? But let's let's unless you have anything else to add. That was nope. uh, the Fire Temple, the original version from the 1.0 copy of Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, which I think 
I don't think there were any non-gold versions of 1.0. I think mm-hmm. there was the gold version, then 1.1 was gray carts, but with possibly with the chant in it, or with the chant removed maybe, but with the symbolisms in it, and then the second version, or no, no, I don't, I don't remember. Honestly, there was changes. That's plus the blood. I think I think version 1.1 had the red blood in Ganon's mouth, but had the chants and other things changed. Then version 1.2 had the green blood, and the uh, the chants obviously still gone. Let's let's move on to our uh, second theme here. We're uh, okay. We're taking our sweet ass time getting through these songs. That's for sure. Yep. Hopefully you're uh, you're all enjoying it so far. Um, the second theme today was ice. And uh, still is, still is. Yeah, hasn't changed. <laughs> we put up a thread in the past hour of uh, <laughs> of, of submissions. Um, I th- I want people to really pay attention to the differences between a fire song and an ice song because there really is a distinction, and there's distinctions that kind of set the the stage for the themes themselves. But uh, but yeah, there's definitely something something distinct about the, the two that keep them vastly separate from each other. And uh let's let's explore that. First with our our first song in the ice theme which was brought by Chris BG99. Oh, I'm playing Animal Crossing with him right now. Uh you should be podcasting. Oh, um, and yet you are also playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> it may so. be open. <laughs> I may have a rainbow stag in my hands right now. Uh-huh. Um I should really just hop over to your town right now and just... We should totally just uh, record the podcast via Animal Crossing. Gates open. <laughs> uh, I got money to make, man, I guess. All right, let's hear this song.
right, so that was Earthbound's winter theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the downsides of this pick is that, Joe, you and I have not played Earthbound before. True, but I've heard it's not a very good game, so we don't really have to. <laughs> I just got punched in the gut for everybody. Because <laughs> uh, I knew that wasn't safe to say. Uh, <laughs> but then again, I know you can't be serious, because this ah. is a beloved game. I've played, honestly, like maybe five minutes of it, like many years ago, and uh, I didn't really get the appeal, but mm-hmm. I also didn't give it a fair shake either. Um, again, it's one of those things like with Kirby, where I like playing as Ness and Lucas um, on Smash Brothers, and I like the concept of that RPG. I just need to spend time with it, and I plan to at some point, but you know, as I've explained already, backlog's pretty big. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not a game that you just, you know, play for five minutes at a time. But uh, even so, this is a wintry theme, mm-hmm. is it not? Yep. And winter and ice, they're obviously a clear theme uh, relationship there. Mm-hmm. What uh, what are your thoughts about what makes this so icy and, and, and what makes it a good theme or what makes it, uh, what makes it wintry? What defines well, a, a cold, wintry theme? The, the most obvious pick. Um, and for you, uh, burgeoning recording artists out there, if you want, if you already have a hit single and you want to make it a Christmas song, (laughs) all you need are eighth note sleigh bells in the background. Pretty much. And that's what this song has. So, uh, I know it's not a Christmas song, but that at the very least qualifies it successfully as a winter song, as a snow song. Well, that's kind of an example of how Christmas, like there's almost two definitions of Christmas. There's Christmas as in Christ Mass, you know, as in the religious kind of uh, origin of it and, and the meaning of it. But then there's also Christmas as in the American winter uh cheerful purchasing shopping time. Right, yeah. And, I mean, shopping isn't really emphasized in the song, but still, there is a certain quote-unquote Christmassy theme to music that can be applied just to winter in general. Mm-hmm. And it's accepted by everybody, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. And uh, those those sleigh bells <laughs> are absolutely, clearly mm-hmm. one of the key things. And, mm-hmm. and we'll see this continue in a couple of the songs uh, today. I asked my girlfriend what she thought about this song, mm-hmm. and and I pretty much agree with her that it feels like a like a calm walk through winter snow. True, true, true. It doesn't have that um, anxiety provoking energy level that most of the other music that we just have on this podcast at times. But right. certainly uh, with the fire stuff, yeah. And um, it's, yeah, there's not a lot of pressure to it. There's right. not a lot of, uh, even though it's it's got a kind of a cold, wintry feel, it doesn't feel like it's uh, threatening or mm-hmm. restricting. It doesn't feel depressing. It's not overly joyous, but it's more like, uh, you know, contentment. Yeah, like a nice stroll through a wintry uh, whatever she just said. And yeah. again, I don't really know where this is at in the game, but I feel <laughs> like... It would be pretty. It would make some sense if there was some sort of wintry area that, yeah, you battle people, but there's not a lot of. It's more like a an area you traverse through to get to something else more important, as I think opposed this to housing. Plays, 
I think this plays during the final boss fight, which is between you and uh, Vanilla Ice. Like uh, I- Ice sure. Baby Vanilla Ice? Yeah. yeah, I think that's how this game ends. Um, I think you have to use a certain item on him, and it's a uh, the item is a is a copyright infringement cease and desist from Queen. Yeah, um, and David Bowie. <laughs> I think that's how Earthbound ends. I'm not sure. I hope David I'm Bowie sure comes out. I'm sure some of the hardcore Earthbound fans could correct us. I think that, I think Life on Mars and Earthbound have some sort of related correlation. Yeah. And uh, there was a big conspiracy to connect the dots between the eighties and nineties, and or was yeah. Life of Mars. That Life of Mars was eighties, I think. Right. If that you sense. play that album while playing the game on mute, they sync up. <laughs> right, as if you had you know no control over how long you do things. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. That would be like a trippy thing to do, but kind of impossible. <laughs> yep. Huh. But uh, anyway, but yeah, so that's a wintry theme. There's a lot of themes in there that I think we're going to see popping up in other songs here. But let's move on to the next song, which has a bit more of a, of a pep in its step. And, and who's this pick? From? This is, you know, the man, Roy Koopa, 64. He, uh, again, like I said, he, he tends to throw out a lot of really good suggestions early on. So you kind of mm-hmm. try to gotta beat him to the punch. Gotta get um, in before Roy. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. This is one of my, favorite winter songs that I can think of and I might literally start dancing in my chair right now so sounds good let's hope we all do
Were, were you dancing? In my soul. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> this, uh, this song was Frosty Village. Well, the theme of Frosty Village, which is a course in Diddy Kong Racing. Mm-hmm. Which we recently had a Diddy Kong Racing song on the show. And uh, I think it's becoming more and more clear that this game had really good music. As, yeah. as the rare games of that time frame did. Mm-hmm. And that's what this was. And I'm looking at some footage right now of the course, which I didn't do pri- prior to the episode uh, starting. And uh, it's been a little while since I've seen this footage. And I haven't played this game in ages. But it was really, really good. And it's funny how they pretty much took a normal level, but tinted everything blue. And okay. then put in little white particle effects to be quote-unquote snow. Right. And uh, and then bam, you got a like a snowy holiday level. It's kind of funny. There's there's some yeah, textures and stuff, but it's just kind of silly how, how easy it was to get away with that. But mm-hmm. um, the music uh, is really a really beautiful song. And it doesn't explicitly have those sleigh bells, mm. but I feel like it's got its own variety of them. In like they use the, that horn instrument, I think, in other songs in the game, and or or I'm sorry, correct me. Was was there some sort of sleigh bell action? Uh, I didn't think so. There was some sort of beat. It wasn't necessarily a sleigh bell, but if you listen again, which maybe you you, you are or aren't doing a. No, I'm I talking. don't think I hear any sleigh bells. What I hear is um, is the kind of uh, like uh, chimes that I think are also somewhat synonymous with uh, with like yeah. snow themes in, in video games. You're right, because they're not consistent like a like a sleigh bell, you know, being rung, but they're kind of their own instrument. But yeah, it mm-hmm. kind of has that... Um, again, kind of the same sound that was in the Crystal Chronicles yes. song. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Somehow it reminds you of an icicle. It's mm-hmm. like it's that like ethereal, but kind of somehow cold and frozen. I mean, I don't know how they yeah. accomplished that. but And then this song in particular, because of the game it's in, has kind of that weird horn, which is like a happy horn, which is mm-hmm. through a lot of their tracks. And uh, Well, it's a really, really happy, upbeat song. Oh, yeah. Um, which is which is different than, yeah, as we mentioned, you know, we've mentioned a lot of oppressive music, and, uh, and certainly in past episodes where we had like i had the um you know so, some music from snowy the snowy mountains i think in xenoblade and it was very like desolate and everything but this is this is more like you know like having a snowball fight or something like this is this is just like happy utterly playful for sure yes exactly and and but i, I was trying to think like well when they do that then do they lose the you know when they make it all playful and happy and everything have they somehow lost the um association with the cold and everything and i was trying to put you know because i didn't i've never played this game either so i didn't have that association um with the level itself but i was trying to imagine this like you know like would this be better you know like would this work better with like a with like an outdoor like a sunny beach theme or would it work better with you know just like a a nice warm day in the country or anything. And it really didn't. I mean, it, for some, I don't know if I was just in the wrong frame of mind, but it, it didn't seem like despite its happiness, it couldn't be for us, a, a snowy 
level. Like, it like, still fit with that aesthetic. I feel like the horns could transcend, and they kind of do, because, again, they're in other levels in the game. The beat of this song, and then, again, those little icicle accents really set it into that cold, you know, wintry, snowy. But, I mean, there are kind of two ways to look at winter, right? I mean, some people I know uh, here in Michigan, we get snow every winter. It's not like it's something new. Um, makes driving really hard to do sometimes, mm-hmm. but... You know, anyone who's lived here, like me, for my whole life, uh, you kind of get used to it. And some people choose to um, to have this, like, happy, like, oh, look how beautiful it is, it's snowing, and let's, uh, let's, we can deal with this, but it's so grayed out and everything. While other people just get so pissed off about <laughs> about uh, the fact that it's snowing again, you know, and, and to them it's like a detriment, but sure. this, this particular song and this soundtrack uses it in a, uh, in the first way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is for this is a song for the people who like, you know, sledding and stuff like that. Right, not the people who complain because there's mm-hmm. kids sledding on their hill, mm-hmm. and uh, then they dump out their hot chocolate out of spite. <laughs> Don't know if that really happens, but probably not. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really much else to say for me on this song, except I I just love. The game, and I love the uh, tune. And I love the tune. And I must say that the next song, which was picked out by uh, Hero of Hyrule, who I think might know the old man from Zelda, <laughs> um, just going by the names there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he picked out the song, and it's it's more of a modern song that's in a more recent game. But uh, it's an example of Nintendo. They still got it. Let's just say that. Thank you. 
So did that sound a little familiar to you? In terms a little of themes? bit. Yeah. A little bit. Now, uh, for those who may not know, this was, well, what, what, according to the internet, is called the Snow Overworld theme, and it's from Super Mario 3D Land. If my memory serves me, this plays over at least, I think, a couple kind of snowy levels. It's definitely not one that, well, I don't think it's one that's in a, uh, like a map selection type thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. pretty. Uh, I'm pretty certain that it's actually when you're romping through the levels and everything. And wow. It's, wow. it's got a lot of the the same staples we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's got that uh that kind of sleigh bell thing going on. Um, it's got kind of a happy frolicking theme to it. Not that Earthbounds was frolicking, but it was still, you know, joyful movement, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't depressing like some of the other mm-hmm. stuff we've had. Sure. And uh, and one thing that I also think is uh, a staple of the ice winter type theme is the flute. Even Could though be. even though we had horns in, in Diddy Kong Racing, I think the flute is so fluttery and so uplifting just naturally. I mean, you can't play like a, an angry flute, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to hear someone try, though. But Like Ron Burgundy? <laughs> okay, maybe you got me there. Um, well, I don't know. I, he, he probably could do it, though. That's, that's probably, what I'm saying. Yeah. probably could do it. He, uh, I mean, if he, if, if he had a flute when his... Uh, dog was punted. <laughs> I think he did have a pretty angry flute going mm-hmm. on. But this isn't the, the Ron Burgundy hour, although it should be. And uh, the the flute in the in this song really made for um a great main main line, mm-hmm. main melody. And it kind of in the same way that the piano of, of Lava Landing performed in the in the Kirby song, but with a different premise obviously. Mm-hmm. But, P- well, I guess I'm thinking of the uh, the solo in Lava Landing, because obviously right. there was that that overbearing, yes, um, darker piano. But uh, that's because that's such a versatile in- instrument. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I I thought this was really great, and it's really fun to play a Mario level and be Mario in this kind of musical landscape. Definitely, yeah, it's probably one of the better winter themes or ice themes. Uh, that Mario series has had. I think it's Mario 3 that has that Ice World... What is it, World 6? Or is Not it World sure. 5? I forget. Because 5, you start down... Five's one of my favorite worlds, and you start off, and then you go up that tower, and then you enter the clouds. Oh, yeah, that was the clouds. I'm trying to recall. But there have been, obviously, many ice levels throughout the, the Mario series, and this is definitely one of the better sounds or songs. Yes, sounds wonderful. Sounds Love and it. songs. Anything you want to add about this? Um, probably not. Just that it's really lighthearted and fun, like the previous song, and mm. sounds great. Now we kind of mentioned it before with uh, Super Mario 3D World coming out soon. 
Mm. Um, and the music that that had was kind of Mario Galaxy-esque. I really hope that we we see more of that and more of these happier tunes as well, which is pretty much assumed, but there's something really awesome about that big, not big band, but just big scope Mario music. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and Super Mario 3D Land was kind of an extension of Mario Galaxy music, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it. I think it was a uh, like a middle ground. Yeah, like a... I, I wouldn't call it an evolution, but it was definitely an influence. Mm-hmm. And um, so hopefully Mario World continues in that direction. And hopefully there's maybe some plays on the uh, Mario Two music, considering mm. there is a lot of a. Uh, tributes paid to that game in the I would think so. I mean, I, I just watched the most recent trailer yesterday, and it looks amazing. And the, the cherries are back, mm. for, which haven't been since the original... That's right. I didn't realize why the cherries were there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't have that power. No, um, no. But that's still something... Yeah, that's that's a good observation. I didn't realize why they chose the cherries. Yeah, and and you know that they're going to have some sort of ice level, so hopefully they they continue with that. And I I will not doubt if there's some sort of flute action and uh, and a very happy sleigh bell theme to it. Because even though you don't see Mario in some sort of Santa hat or something, again that Christmas and winter and ice like the whole line is is blurred. And then if you go back to uh, to our song from Xenoblade in, what was it, the last episode? Uh. I believe, uh, was it? Yeah, Overworld theme. So, in the last episode, we, we had that song from Xenoblade uh, over, you know, Valak Mountain. Uh-huh. And, uh, and at night, and that kind of, again, that had like a much more subdued version of the the icicle melody. We'll just call it the icicle melody. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's interesting how you can really play play that two ways. You really can get two distinct feelings out of out of this theme. Let's move on to the next song, just so you have some time to rest after that. Okay. That deep thought. I'm emotionally this, drained. This is your song, so hopefully it amps you back up again. This is your pick. Let's our, do it. Our fourth song for the ice uh, ice theme. And then Sage's pick. Here you go.
This was uh, the DK Summit music from Mario Kart Wii for the Nintendo Wii. Um, now, I've used Mario Kart music before, and this is partly because I love Mario Kart music. Uh, I love Mario Kart in general. Um, but this song, uh, you know, I'm not even going to say, I mean, I like the music probably more than I like that track in Mario Kart. Like I, the actual level? Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I guess track is also synonymous with, uh. Yeah, I had to make sure that was clear. <laughs> sorry. Um, the course, uh, yeah, I, I am not crazy about that course. It's, uh, like I've been playing it for years and I'm still not that great at it, but. Um, so I don't have great memories about that course, um, but I do like the music a lot. I just think, you know, I'm not sure it conveys the ice thing too much. I think it it still has that similar thing we've talked about with like sort of high register, sort of hollow sounding, um, you know, more flighty kind of tones. But um, outside of that, you know, I don't really get a sense of cold or or ice or anything from this. There's no sleigh bells. Um, there's no real flute. There's just kind of things that sort of sound uh, like, you know, there's wind passing through them. But So it's interesting because without those, I kind of agree with you that there isn't that much of a, a pairing of the... Like when you listen to the song by itself, it doesn't necessarily f- have to fit into that world because mm-hmm. it's lacking those those tools yep 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 um so yeah but i think it you know what it does do is is simply provide like a good high energy piece of music that makes you want to race around this track and uh jump over little mounds of snow and get hit by shy guys on snowboards (laughs) because everyone who wants that yeah i mean that's what everyone plays video games for i assume you know i will say that my experience with this level is actually that i am pretty skilled at this one. Oh, really yeah i don't you gotta tell me the secret then i don't really care for it too much because i'm never a fan of the ones that launch you for like half the level and then you have to come back you know just to be launched again even though um what's that one now uh the maple treeway maple treeway yeah that's like my favorite level from mario kart wii but again, even that uses the the launcher a little bit, and I don't really like the launcher mechanic. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, as far as as far as the level tactics, I mean, I'm watching it right now, and what I do, a lot of power sliding. Um, you don't use the the big jumps during that part with the uh, the little bumps. You just use the little right. bumps, right? At and the, use the tricks. Yeah, and then at the at the S curve, you actually want to jump over the curves over the pits. You can power slide over them. Okay. At least the first one. But yeah, you can actually, um, if you get it at the right angle, you can slide right into the next part of the S-curve from like mm-hmm. the, the start to the middle. And then, uh, yeah, I believe you can. And then and then cut the last one really close. Okay. It's, it's all about power sliding in this level, for sure. Sure. Okay. Hmm. And, um, and actually at the end of the level where you have those patches of like snow that slows you down what I would recommend yeah, yeah, there yeah. too is um, don't actually follow the curve of it just stay uh, up against the edge of the 
the ramp or the the okay the U. Yeah. The whatever the hell it's called. The half pipe. The half pipe. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you just kind of ride that booster on the on the edge. You don't mm-hmm. actually have to cross the level, so you just keep going straight up there. And of course, make sure you don't hit a shy guy if they're if they're around. But right. Um, okay. Yeah, that would help because it really is just that one little half pipe deal with the shy guys that screws me up. I usually do really well up until then, and then I just kind of blow it at the end. Yeah, it, rem- it reminds me of uh, Wario's or Waluigi Stadium, I think it was, uh, where you you actually can do that as well. Where you, instead of going around the piranha plants in the um, in the uh, in the half or not the half pipes, the green pipes, you want to just ride above them almost if you can on the because uh, because at the edges of the half pipe are little boosters or at least some sort of like trick maneuver notifier and um, and instead of or I think in in Waluigi Stadium it's a boost but it, I don't recall if it's that in DK Summit but even so you just want to you just want to ride it like a straight pipe you don't want to actually go up and down the half pipe that just slows you down mm. so gotcha gotcha and All and right. to once you enter the area as long as you adjust yourself properly with the first shy guy you should be good for the other one because they're they're timed in such a way that you know it's not really an issue hmm. interesting but yeah as far as the song goes uh again i don't feel it's that you know icy per se but it still yeah. it still is a really good song mm-hmm. um i could argue too that the even though i'm pretty good at the level it's not really like i said it's not really my favorite so i would say that i probably like the music more than the level itself yeah 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 okay and i think too it's kind of funky to hear this music in a dk connection because there's no congas and yeah there's no congas there's no jungle aspect to it there's you don't no think of Donkey Kong in, in the snow. Um, how many levels in Donkey Kong Country were in like wintry, icy levels? Um, in in the original game. Yeah, in the original trilogy. I don't know. I only um, I played through the first one. I played through all of them like once, and that was it. So I don't. I'm not like an expert on those games. Yeah, I've only played through the first, so I really can't can't remember. But it's a good pick. It was uh, it was entertaining. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Shall we move on to your pick? Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's get this uh, this thing wrapped up here with one final song. Uh, mine is kind of a companion piece to Earthbounds, I think. But okay. we'll get into that after uh, after you hear it. Doctor right. Fink's pick. Here we go.
So, have you ever played Golden Sun? You know, I I have, actually. Well, that's what I this is from. Gold. Do you remember this song? No, I do not. This played is... Time ago. I'm not even sure what this is uh, officially called, but this is the town of, uh, like, Imil or Emil. Okay. Uh, I-M-I-L. And, you know, I meant to do a little more research. It's been a long time since I played the game, but uh, this is a pretty important town. I believe it's in the north of the first game. And let's see, it's the uh, it's the home of Mercury, which was the water and ice element in the game. And the game itself was... The gin, if you will? I have no idea how to say that. Um, well, those are... T- Technically separate things. I mean, Mercury is, uh, I think Mercury is one of the names of one of those, uh, I guess the djinn, I think the D is silent or something. Okay. But, uh, or djinn. Djinn. It's probably, it's probably djinn. Djinn. Yep. Um, you can get fever, which is a Mars djinn. But, uh, (laughs) um, no, we'll just call him djinn. So, so yeah, you uh, you can get some some gin here, but <laughs> this is where the Mercury Lighthouse, I believe, is, or at least mm-hmm. it's nearby. Okay. Uh, no, 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 it is the first lighthouse. It's the frozen town, um, and the continent's uh, Angara, and it's at the north part. Yeah, and I believe this is where you meet Mia, or at least you bring her here after shortly meeting her. But this is okay. where she's from because um, eventually you leave with her in your party. And you leave the town, and uh, and it's pretty awesome, though. I always liked Mia as a character. I love the name. I love the character. I love uh, just the, the town itself. You know, fun fact. Hmm. Um, before I was born, my parents picked a name for uh, if I was going to be a boy mm. or if I was going to be a girl. And if I was going to be a girl, I would have been named Mia. Wow. So there you go. There's still time if you like that better. I mean, no, we live I in think a I'm good. progressive age. We do, and I'm fine with that, but I'm also fine with being a dude. Yeah, with being a Joe. Being Just a an Joe. average Joe. Being a the Joe. The, the oh, Joe. The, D, the D is silent. So many good titles for this episode, and yet it's going to be called <laughs> Fire Ice. Fire slash ice or whatever. Uh, um, yep. Well, maybe people actually have to listen to get the jokes. Then. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but this this game in general is really awesome. But the the soundtrack to the game is is really distinct. There's a lot of distinct songs. The battle themes are very memorable. The town themes I feel are memorable as well. Um, and this town is a pretty early on in the game uh, experience. But it's uh, it's beautifully done. The pixel art is really nice. You got houses. You've got icy uh, an icy ro- frozen river that you actually have to. It's a puzzle in itself, and you have to get into a cave that you uh, you know you can only get through here. And it's it's you know you're hearing this nice music, but that icy river. I, how many times have we seen this in the past where you've got. Uh, like an icy platform or an icy stage. It's even in the first Pokemon. And when you move, you move all the way. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. move all... Like, yep. it's... A, who in, like who invented that? It's a trope. And it is. And it's against women. <laughs> I As suppose As all tropes so. are. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But it's just, it's just it seems so silly. I never really understood it. Because <laughs> that doesn't really come up in in real life. No, it's it's not based on anything. <laughs> it's just it's not how ice actually. Somebody works. like reacted and said things are slippery, <laughs> and then they just went way way beyond <laughs> the definition slippery. of slippery. Yeah, it's manifest. Slippery. I mean, I have fun solving these puzzles for the most They're part. Not bad. At the very least, we all understand them. Now. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's what a trope's supposed to do, is it's supposed to, uh, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. get you to understand it right from the get-go. Yep, yep, yep. But, but it's cool. There's, this town's, uh, again, it's got a lot of snow. You can see your own footprints in the ground. Um, people are very chilly, but they uh, they live happily. Of course, not when you first get there, because um, no. shit's going down, but... But I, th- I think it's a very nice um, nice song. And the reason I said it was a companion piece to Earthbound is because Earthbound's winter theme is rather... Again, not necessarily upbeat, but still just positive sounding. Mm. This one sounds almost depressing to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. It seems... Um, what's, what's the kind of word I'm looking for? Like... Uh, Somber? Yes, that's the one. Okay, there that's you go. The one. Yeah, it's just a somber. Even though, I mean, the game storyline is pretty somber. I mean, one of your characters has to say goodbye. Someone else is dying. Um, there's not a lot of great stuff going on <laughs> in this town at this moment. It's not frozen over because of some sort of mystical baddie or something like that. I mean, it's just naturally cold up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these people are used to living here, and it's kind of there's a bit of warmth when you go inside the inn and stuff like that. There's there's warm tones and fires going and everything, so it all feels pretty pretty natural. But things just feel depressing, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't make you want to rush through the through the town and and just get the hell out of there either. It's just it's just a very good mood setter, mm-hmm. especially because I believe this is before you go to the first lighthouse and actually do some action. So it kind of sets the stage for why things feel dire and why you need to be doing something. It kind of reminds you before you get into the, your first lighthouse experience. Right. So I think it's pretty effective in that way. Definitely. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, so when, when the theme was ice, ice and I was trying to think of something unique that was in that thread, I I thought about this and uh, I wish I could go back and play Golden Sun for the first time because it was a really great game. You know, uh, did you play any of the other games in the series? Uh, the second one was one of those games that I bought, you know, instantly and, and linked my game and all that fun stuff. Uh, then when the third was finally announced, I was just as psyched, only to never have finished it. Because okay. it's so... You started it, though? Oh, yeah. And I'm, like, partway through, maybe halfway through. Uh-huh. And the only reason I haven't finished it is partially because uh, it's one of those games where once you're... Um, once you're like away from it, you kind of need to use a guide to get back on track. Okay. And I just haven't sat down to do that, but I, I have no idea what town I'm supposed to go to next, or mm-hmm. I have no idea what any of the armor I'm wearing means to me, that kind of thing. So it's you got to relearn the game, but you're already partway right. through. That's a shame. So it's yeah, it's one of those experiences where I kind of need to find a guide and almost use it explicitly to get through the next section, so I can kind of get back on track. Sure. And then two, I was really disappointed with how easy it was, 
And okay. I don't mean that in some like, oh, I'm really awesome at this stuff kind of way. But, but that's uh, how we'll interpret it. Sure. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> that's how you're supposed to actually. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just trying to be uh, fake modest. Mm-hmm. But no, the game is is really simple. Like it's easy. I, I I mean, this happened right after the game started for me, but I was able to just kind of slam with whatever I wanted to, and I had no troubles fighting anything. You might need to like heal, but nothing's hard. You know, it, mm. it seems kind of mindless. The other two games, I feel like I had to actually think about what moves I was using and what tactics. But this game, or not not the original Golden Sun, but the third game, doesn't feel like that at all. Mm. So I feel like I'm going to go back and use the guide. And, I mean, even if it's for a small segment, but I'm still just not enjoying it that much. Hmm. It, I mean, and the, the original characters from the first two games are more or less uh, secondary characters in okay. this uh, in the third game as it takes t- you know place well after the first two games and um so that connection's kind of lost hmm. uh, I don't want to detail how the two or the the third games connect to the other two but I mean it's pretty obvious from the very beginning of the game but still. Interesting. I it is one of those games where I do want to go back though, just because I I love the series so much that I have to be able to say that I've beaten all three. I can't just sit there and not uh, not have done that. Yeah, I know that that third one, everyone was super psyched when it was announced, and then the game itself just sort of um, you know got very lukewarm response. So it's a bit of a shame, but I did like the first game quite a bit. So. And I don't really no. know. I don't know what it could have fixed that, really. Mm. Um, whether it maybe it needed to come out much sooner than it did, mm. or maybe it didn't. Maybe it should have been more sprite based because they they switched to polygons, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least like a no, maybe not. It it might have been like a three D sprite type thing or, or sprite polygon hybrid, something like like that. Um, sure. Because it definitely went away from the two D aspect of the first two games, but there's a certain charm to that, that making that transition doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. So, but still, the song itself, again, I, I love, and uh, and I love the series, and it makes me feel warm, not cold and icy, uh, about the series. Um, yeah, so I guess that's really all I have to say. It's, it's a totally an opposite companion piece to Earthbound's winter theme, I think. Gotcha. And I hope you agree, people who can't respond right now. <laughs> it's kind of right, rough. Cool. Sometimes I want to hear from like the audience, but I can't. No, that's not how podcasts work. No, no. Especially um, this one. <laughs> anyway, any final uh, thoughts? No last comment, Joe? No, not really. Just uh, all good stuff. Yeah. Good, good tunes, Negative World Community. Thank you for picking them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thread had a lot of great submissions as they all have and uh and you know even if your yours didn't get picked you know that doesn't mean it wasn't considered there was so many great songs this time around and i I sound like i'm just bullshitting you but seriously Mm -hmm. there's a lot of great nintendo music out there we do have a limited selection in each episode Um, obviously these episodes don't come out every week or you know even every two weeks we do these things kind of uh when we have time and, and everything, and uh, still we want we want to encourage people to to submit and to participate because half the fun 
was always the intention was always that half the fun was just the discussion in the thread and submitting songs and trying to one up each other with better songs that kind of thing mm-hmm. and the thing is too you can try to one up someone with better songs but really a lot of this is subjective um you know just just show your love of nintendo music that's the whole point absolutely so i hope people like listening to the songs and i hope they like listening to to uh to us and uh, and i hope that there's they're okay with the ratio of song to talking because uh, these samples right. today were more like two minutes long, which wasn't really on purpose, but uh, it just, you know, it's what I happen to find. And, and I, I worry about putting, especially songs that are very repetitive. I don't want to leave, you know, some song that's got like a one minute of distinct music and loop it four times just for the of sake course. Of, of, course. of doing so. So um, unlike other podcasts on the internet that, play video game music as much as we love to just have the gaming music we we are more about the discussion uh, as well so that said uh if you're still listening let me announce the themes for episode four it's kind of like the james bond movies you know like uh joe and steve will be back in <laughs> negative world euphonic four town themes and spooky music so yeah <laughs> no bond unless you can link it to it <laughs> um, I guess I guess you could. Uh, I don't know. I guess the surface would have worked out for the uh, for the ice theme, the surface um, music from Goldeneye. Maybe. Um, you know, and out of well, I can think of one song from Goldeneye right now that could fit with spooky theme. Hmm. It uh, it takes place maybe in the middle of the game. I don't know. I won't say any, anything more. But um, but yeah, the two uh, two themes are going to be town themes, and that pretty much is defined as a theme, a theme from a town. town. Yeah, I mean whether yep. it's an RPG's town, like like actually the very last song we just did was a town theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but just something, you know, uh, make it a town though. Like I mean, not like uh, I, I guess I mean Joe, would you uh, off the cuff here? Would you accept villages? Um. As opposed to... To, like, more, you know, buildings and roads and established towns. Yeah, I would I would say uh, villages, yes. Metropolis, no. Okay, interesting. So smaller towns. Then. Smaller. That's what I would say. Okay, I dig it. All right. So, yeah. So, so town themes are going to be villages and smaller towns. Um, you know, games that have distinct themes for just different cities or different areas like that as opposed to uh yeah like a like a bigger hub city that mm-hmm. you know what i mean and then spooky uh sounds or spooky music is our second theme and that's mainly because we hope to get something out <laughs> timely enough to uh to coincide with the current u.s holiday coming up mm-hmm. but uh, there's a lot of spooky music out there and some of it even was in this episode so think of some more spooky music in the Let's try to scare the crap out of each other. How about that? Mo's deaf. Uh, I don't know if we can get him on the podcast, but we'll try. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's getting late. We've talked much longer than anticipated, which seems to happen every single time we record. Mm-hmm. With my magical jinxing words, let's do a short one. Yep, he says it every time. <laughs> and he it says it every happens. time. <laughs> I usually remind him it never works that way. but I'm going to get like a chicken egg timer. <laughs> like one shaped like a chicken, and I'm gonna. It's gonna start going off on the podcast. And people are gonna hate it, but it's gonna get us to uh, to limit our discussions to a prompt, uh, concise. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, and here I am babbling. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and I hope you enjoy the music and hope you participate and are having fun. And Heck yeah. And hell, on a personal note, I hope you're all doing okay because it's a crazy world out there. True. So, uh, so have a wonderful night, a wonderful October, and uh, we'll see you next time. Later. Alligator. Oh, you're still here? Well, that's pretty convenient, because I have a little bonus song for the end of this podcast. While recording this podcast, I stumbled upon a, a user on Twitter called Mr. Bulba Mike, and it turns out this guy does his own renditions of video game music to an 8-bit theme. He arranges it completely himself, You know, of course, trying to match the source material pretty strongly, and... Ironically enough, the Frosty Village Diddy Kong Racing song that we used in the podcast you just heard, that uh, was one of the songs that he's done. So I wanted to end the podcast with a little special bonus of that particular uh, song, uh, with his permission, of course. And um, I hope you enjoy. <laughs>